So, what is wisdom? Well, whenever I don't, I'm not sure of a word, I look it up in the dictionary. So, uh, I looked it up in Webster, and the first thing it said was, wisdom is the quality of being wise. <laughs> well, that didn't seem to be very helpful, so I read on. It further said that wisdom is the power of judging rightly and following the soundest course of action based on knowledge, experience, understanding, etc. The power of judging rightly and following the soundest course of action. I think that's pretty good. You know, think of all the decisions that we make day by day. Uh, decisions of what to do about certain problems that we have to solve. Or maybe uh, helping someone else with their problems. Um, or, you know, how shall I spend my money, etc. cetera. Um, how, how do we know how to follow the soundest course of action? Well, a lot can be said about what is involved in wisdom. But the way I see it, wisdom in the biblical sense can be summed up in a very simple formula, and that is wisdom equals knowledge plus love. Is that up there yet? Ooh, good. And I have the Greek words there too. Sophia equals gnosis plus agape. How many of you know someone named Sophia? Yeah, most of you, at least half of you, yeah. It's a, it's a good name. It's a beautiful name. It's a name that's hard to live up to, huh? Anybody know anybody who is uh, called Agape? I, d I don't. That, that could be a pretty name, too. I don't think anybody's called Gnosis. But at any rate, let's focus on Agape. In the Greek, there are at least three words for love that are translated love. For example, there's philia, that's friendship love, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, that's friendship kind of love. There's eros, that's physical or sexual love, from which we get our word erotic. And then there's agape. Agape is that special kind of love which in the Bible is equated with the very nature of God. In 1 John 4, 16, it says that God is love. God is agape. Agape is a kind of love which is self-giving or self-sacrificing for the benefit or the well-being of others. The paradigm case of that is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave himself in the person of his own son. He gave whatever it took, even on the cross, in order to secure our well-being our salvation, eternal life. So I suggest this formula, it's kind of simple, and there's a lot involved in it, but let's think in terms of this. Wisdom equals knowledge plus love. Because beyond knowledge, it is love that often gives us the insight and the power to follow the soundest course of action. Now let me explain that by means of our text in James, and some other scriptures. So let me elaborate. There's several points, all right? First, wisdom requires some knowledge. 
Wisdom, of course, is more than knowledge. You know that. But it requires some knowledge. As important as love is, ignorant love is not very useful. You can be a very loving person, but if you don't have any knowledge about how to express your love, you're not going to act very wisely. I, I was going on the Internet trying to find what might be an example of this. And I finally gave up and I thought back on my own experience and I came upon what I think is a good example. Yours truly, 53 years ago, I was dating a woman by the name of Barbara uh, before we got engaged and got married. And a little incident happened where this guy was very much in love but he didn't have a good understanding of the emotions of a woman. And I would like Barbara to come and tell this story briefly, <laughs> as only she can. David says it was before we were engaged. Well, that's sort of true. I was already engaged, just that he hadn't asked me yet. That was the, that was the problem. But I was in college at that point and living in the dorm, and every Friday afternoon, David, who was in seminary, would come over and pick me up because he was the youth director at his church. And so we'd then go down to New Jersey, stay at his parents' house while we did all the youth group things uh, for the weekend, and then he'd drop me back off Sunday. I used to count minutes till we got to the time that he was going to arrive. If he was supposed to be there at 6 o'clock, all, Friday just was a blur, and it was like every minute I was counting until he got there. Well, one Friday, it snowed. And the snow started about 2, and I'm looking out, and I'm thinking, how much snow is there? Well, it's not that much. It's, we'll, we'll make it. It's going to be okay. And it began to be a little more as the day went on. And so he finally called about 5.30, and he said, you know, he said, I think the snow is just too much. He said, I don't think we're going to be able to make it. I said, oh, David. He said, well, look, it's really probably a really good thing anyway because he said, I need to catch up on all my studying and reading. And so he said, it'll turn out to be a good way to spend the weekend. Now, I recommend if any of you young fellows are thinking about getting married or even some of you who are married, uh, uh, haven't been married for very long, try to gain an understanding of a woman's emotions. She was totally crushed. And I was just saying, well, you know, rational thing. Well, we can't do this, so let's study, you know. Get our studies done. I hope, hope that I've learned a few things since then. So wisdom does require some knowledge. But on the other hand, you don't have to be a genius to be wise, thank God. You probably have known some people who are very smart, maybe brilliant intellectually, who lived very foolish lives. Thank God we don't have to have a high IQ or most of us would be hopeless in gaining wisdom. So some knowledge is necessary. But what kind of knowledge? Second. Wisdom requires practical knowledge, common sense knowledge more so than anything. A person can have knowledge of facts, 
he might, he might not be a genius, but he, he might acquire over a lifetime almost encyclopedic knowledge and yet not be a wise person. How many of you have watched Jeopardy on television? All right. Yeah, a lot of you. Barb and I watch it periodically, and uh, we enjoy it. Uh, she does better on it than I do. But every once in a while, I usually don't get the question, but every once in a while I have the answer. The problem is I can't get it out fast enough that the contestant says it right away, you know. So my wife never will know for sure whether I really knew the answer or not. But um, I'm fascinated by the vast knowledge, the erudition of these contestants and the, the speed with which they respond. It just baffles me. But you know what? Most of those questions are about factual knowledge that isn't very practical. Notice verse 13 in our text. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. I want to speak about humility shortly, but notice that wisdom is shown in how we apply our knowledge in practical living. It can't just be knowledge of facts. It has to be knowledge that helps us to live well. And so there's a third thought about that, and that is wisdom in the biblical sense includes the knowledge of faith. By the knowledge of faith, I mean knowledge of the word of God and faith in the God of that word. You know, one of the themes of Proverbs, which uh, you probably well know, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is... A reverent trust in the Lord and in his word is the starting point for wisdom. And remember what our pastor said last week. He emphasized the fact that true faith is seen in the deeds of faith. And without those deeds, faith is dead. So once again, wisdom requires practical knowledge. Thus, wisdom in the biblical sense requires faith knowledge, which issues forth in the deeds of faith. Douglas Moo, in his commentary on James, says, True wisdom, like real faith, is a vital, practical quality that has as much or more to do with the way we live as with what we think or say. But I'm suggesting that to complete wisdom's requirements, we have to add love. So wisdom requires practical knowledge, including the knowledge of faith, plus love. And therefore, I go on to a fourth point. And that is, love gives the right perspective and the right motive for applying knowledge wisely. In our text, James contrasts two kinds of wisdom, earthly wisdom and the wisdom from heaven. But his language, I think, is a bit sarcastic because, as it turns out, this earthly wisdom is not wisdom at all. It's foolishness. In verses 14 to 16, he describes this earthly wisdom in terms of envy and selfish ambition, which, as he says, results in disorder and in every evil practice. Now, contrast selfish ambition 
with the self-giving nature of agape love. Jesus says to love your neighbor equal with yourself. But when you engage in selfish ambition, you're only concerned about what you want, your plans, your desires, regardless of the concerns of your neighbor. In agape love, you put your neighbor's concerns on an equal place with your, with your own. And you try to see things from their perspective as well as your own. So you're really trying to see things from God's perspective, you see. Because God has concern for everyone, including you and your neighbor. So this illustration that Barb just talked about, consider what was happening there. I was trying to be the rational male. You know, it's reasonable about this. It's snowing. We can't get together. So let's use the time wisely and study. You know, you do your studies at your college. I'll do my studies at seminary. Seems like a reasonable thing to say. But it wasn't the wisest thing to say. Because I was absorbed in my own self and my own interests and what I wanted to do for the weekend and really didn't hear, it was obvious, but I didn't hear the disappointment that was in her. If I had thought about, well, let me try to understand her perspective, I might have slowed down and tried to sympathize with her disappointment before talking about studying, all right? So... Love helps us to broaden our perspective, you see. We try to think about how others think and what their concerns are. Whereas selfish ambitions narrows our perspective. And then we're not going to get a good, wise perspective. So love helps us to have that broader perspective, to see things the way God sees things. And then when you live a life of love, you're motivated to act on that perspective. You're trying to judge rightly and to follow the soundest course of action, as uh, the words of Webster says. I find it somewhat puzzling that James does not use the word love in our passage here in chapter 3, but I think it is assumed as a carryover from chapter 2, verse 8, where he calls Christ's commandment of love the royal law. But more to the point here in chapter 3, please notice that the qualities by which James describes wisdom, the wisdom from heaven, are very much the qualities of agape love. And I think the chart that I have for you shows that. If we can get it up there, yeah. If you look at the left column... The qualities of wisdom in James 3 and the right column, the qualities of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Notice the quality of wisdom includes humility in James 3. Love in 1 Corinthians 13 is not proud. Wisdom in James 3 is opposite of envy and love in 1 Corinthians 13 does not envy. Quality of wisdom is opposite selfish ambition. The quality of love in 1 Corinthians 13 is not self-seeking, and so forth. I won't take time to go down the list. And often the words are different, but when you think through, you see that there is similarity in the ideas. And there is so much that we can describe about love. I think, for example... 
the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, those nine fruits of the Spirit, if you look at each one, I think it's an aspect of love, really. And I think it fits pretty much with this verse, with the, uh, the qualities that we have listed here. And there are p plenty of examples of how wisdom and love work in the book of James. And we've had some messages on them. For example, um, wisdom in involves looking after widows and orphans in chapter 1. Uh, wisdom involves avoiding favoritism and doing good deeds of faith in chapter 2, the pastor's message last week. Controlling one's tongue in chapter 3. Not boasting about tomorrow in chapter 4. Being patient and suffering and praying for the sick in chapter 5. So love gives the perspective and the motive for applying our knowledge wisely. And that brings, brings me to the last point. Wisdom includes prayer in our seeking Christ's example. I add this fifth point because there is one other thing that James says about wisdom, and it's in chapter 1 of his book, verse 5, a verse that I think is familiar to many of you. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James goes on to explain the importance of faith in this prayer for wisdom. Seeking wisdom, you see, is a part of a life of faith, as we have seen. And notice that James doesn't say, if you lack knowledge, ask God. He says, uh, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Knowledge mostly comes from the ordinary means of human life, as well as a study of the, God's word. But for a wise and proper use of our knowledge in practical living, we should seek God in prayer. When I was teaching at the college, uh, the King's College, years ago, I would remind students on test days that it was too late to ask God for knowledge, but they could ask God for wisdom. And I sometimes would begin the prayer, uh, bring, begin the class with a prayer, Dear Lord, help the students to have calm hearts and clear minds so that they give a good account of the things that they have faithfully studied. And uh, one fellow in the back said, Professor, with that prayer, you have failed me. <laughs> Pray for wisdom. The other thing about this last point is that we should seek to learn Christ's example. For you see, he's the supreme example of wisdom among human beings, certainly. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Christ is wisdom for us. And Colossians 2.3 says that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when we combine the knowledge that comes by faith in Christ with the agape love that we learn from Christ, then we have wisdom, I think, in the fullest biblical sense. Now, as I was preparing this message, I was tempted to lengthen my equation to say wisdom equals knowledge plus faith plus love. 
But I wanted to keep it simple, so I included the knowledge of faith under the category of knowledge. So the way I would like to say it in summary is the key biblical truth, and that is knowledge informed by faith plus love yields the path, pathway of wisdom. So what's the challenge then? How do we apply this principle? How do we grow in wisdom? I mean, we might feel that we have some wisdom, but how do we make progress along the pathway of wisdom? Well, basically, I think three things can be said. First, learn more of God's word, the scriptures, and increase your knowledge base. Second, grow more in love. And third, make prayer an integral part of your life of faith. Now, you might say, Dave, I know all those things. I mean, I was hoping you would give me some new insight, some, some new secret to learn so I can become a very wise person. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I have nothing new other than the insights we've gleaned from James. But often, you see, a sermon is for the purpose of reminding us of what we already know but have not yet fully acted upon. So I suggest that remember the formula, wisdom equals knowledge plus love and what's all involved in that, and then act upon these three suggestions. One last thought. Study the life of Christ with an eye for seeing how he exemplified intelligent love in action in all the situations he faced. And then as you get into your own situations in life, try to answer the old time-tested question, what would Jesus do? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the marvelous, marvelous example that Jesus gave us of using our knowledge wisely through love. Jesus didn't know all the facts, certainly not all the scientific facts that we know today in his human mind, though as the divine son of God in his divine mind, he knew all these things, but as a man, he was our example. He had some knowledge, and he used it wisely through love. Help us to learn this lesson. In Christ's name, amen.